here to worship with us. Will you stand as we worship our King? God, we're so excited about what you're doing in our lives today and what you're going to do in this service, Lord. We celebrate a believer's communion, which means if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, you are invited to participate with us in communion this morning. If you didn't get uh, elements when you walked in this morning, if you'll raise your hand, we've got uh, someone who will bring them to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 17, 
It says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not our participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. There are mysteries in these verses that we cannot fully comprehend. How do we participate in the blood and body of Christ and become one body by simply taking communion together? We use common words and common bread and drink to communicate a mystery, to communicate a miracle. Words are created things just like bread and juice. None are made without God's divine work in our participation. John 1.3 tells us that all things were made through him and nothing has been made that was made apart from him. We preach the word of God and participate together in communion with blood and bread of God. By some miracle, the word of God resounds in our words and with our hands, we hold these elements that allow us to participate with the blood and bread of life to participate in the true life made possible by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life without whom nothing is made that is made. You can open the bread. Father, we thank you for this bread and the mystery that it contains. Lord, that it is representative of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, who broke, had his body broken for us. Lord, and that somehow in our participation and eating of this, not only are we here this morning brought together as one body, but literally every saint throughout the past and future and present and alive today celebrating communion this morning, we are made one body in Christ Jesus. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may take the bread. And open the juice. Father, again, we give you thanks for this juice that's representative of the blood of Jesus Christ. And through taking it, we participate in the shedding of Christ's blood once for all, for all of our sin. And he died, but today he is alive and well, resurrected, seated at the right hand of you, Father. And as we take this and remember that sacrifice and remember his resurrection, Lord, we participate in that redemption. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take the cup. Let's continue in worship.
Shall not kneel, shall not faint By his blood and in him 
sacrifice his life and be resurrected again forever that we might not just have life but have a relationship forever with you we give you all glory and praise and honor in the name of jesus we pray amen amen well you may be seated i wanted to share a word with you this morning starting with a scripture from psalm 73 verses 23 through 26 It says, I am continually with you, Lord. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. As I read this passage this week, that line, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you stood out. And as I read it, I I prayed, I said, Lord, I want that to be my heart's cry. I want my only desire to be you. There's hope for us, even if it's not, and if that's our prayer. And it's found in Mark 9, 23 through 24. Jesus told a man who is struggling with his faith, 
that all things are possible for one who believes. And the man immediately responded, I believe, help my unbelief. We just need to be honest with God where we are, where we find ourselves today. And if your desire is that your desire would be nothing else on earth but him, but the Father, but that relationship that Jesus Christ came to make and to restore for us. That's the place that our heart needs to be. Dearly Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that we're remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, that he came to restore that relationship with you, Father, and I want my only desire to be you. Father, I pray that the desire of everyone here this morning would be you, that the Holy Spirit would give us a revelation of the truth in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would see, that we would hear, that we would know you in revelation that only comes from you and that our desire would be you. There's nothing else worthy of the throne of our heart than you. Lord, I pray that we would lay everything else aside and seek you with everything we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Good morning. If this is your first time visiting with us in person or online, welcome. We're so glad you decided to worship with us today. At New Covenant, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. You can learn more about MCC and become part of our church family or join a volunteer team by going through our Connect class online or by attending one of our in-person upcoming classes. If you would like to bless what God is doing through the ministries at MCC with your tithes and offerings, you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlandpassers.com. If you have any questions about what's going on at MCC or want more information on how to get connected, please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word. Merry Christmas. It's going to be this way for two more weeks. Merry Christmas, yeah. We're so glad you're here. Let me just give you a couple of announcements. Uh, next Sunday, we will have our Christmas service here, at, and we will have both 9 o'clock and 1030, but there will be a family worship, which means that there won't be any child care or NCC kids. We're going to have everybody in here worshiping the Lord together. So that's next Sunday, 9 and 1030. And then next Sunday evening, we're going to be having a Christmas Eve worship service on Sunday evening from 7 to 8, and it'll also be a, a family time together. So avail yourself to those next week, but we're glad you're here this morning. I just thought about what Pastor Chris was reading. I got everything I wanted for Christmas that first Christmas. I got everything I needed that first Christmas. Because the whole point of this is that God came to be Man, that we might come to be sons of God. Now, I've preached a few Christmas services over my few years of preaching, and every year I say, Lord, how do you, how do you preach it any different than you preached it last year? And I realize that every time that, that God usually has something unique, but this year I heard very succinctly, uh, you'll never understand the real reality of Christmas until you understand John 3.16. And so I've been on a quest of looking at John 3.16. It's one of the most popular, one of the most memorized verses in all of Scripture. You most of you, how many of you have memorized John 3.16? All right, I'm going to test you. You ready? For God so loved the world. This is King James now. Don't do it in any other version. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Anyone who want to do it by yourself? All right. So the whole point, you know, everyone knows that verse, don't we? Or do we? 
John 3, 16, the most memorized. You see, that verse, the reason I believe it's so popular is because the full summary of the gospel, the good news, the promise of God is wrapped up or found in that verse. The angels announced to the shepherds in Luke 2.10 that the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. This morning I want to talk to you, I'm going to be talking to you for the, this week and the next two weeks on John 3.16. So this morning you get point one. All right? The, I want to talk to you this morning about the shocking love of God. The shocking love of God. Or to say it another way, God's shocking love. Now, when I say that, you say, shocking Everybody knows God loves. Everybody knows that God loves. Well, how how do you mean shocking? Most of us are not shocked anymore by these words at all. And that's a shame. And it's also very dangerous that we're no longer shocked by God's love. I'm going to ask us to pray this morning for a revelation, for our eyes to see, for our ears to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to open up to us through this very familiar verse of Scripture. So, Lord, we ask you to do it now in Jesus' name. So what's so shocking about the love of God? Well, here it is. You ready? God so loved the world. You say, well, what's shocking about that? You you must not have heard me. God loves this world. Still not shocked? Maybe then we don't understand what this world is. Maybe we don't understand what's going on in this world. Maybe we don't understand what's happened to this world. You see, we tend, when we think of the world, the world, we think of the planet. We think of uh, cities and nations and we think of lives and people. When, when we look at the world biblically, there's some different ways. But the way that John, who wrote John 3.16, saw the world is found in 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, when John uses the word world, he means fallen mankind living in rebellion apart from God under the power of the evil one. It's mankind separated from God, rejecting God in every aspect of life and living. Does that sound like our world? So... It's shocking to me that a holy, almighty, majestic God would love this world. You're still not getting it, are you? Okay, let me me try something different. You see, the Bible word for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is sin. Or sinners. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, everyone has missed the mark as far as God's concerned. Everyone. They haven't lived up to the standard, the holiness, the almighty standard of God's glory in all that He is. We, We fail from that. And everyone, everyone, all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one, the scripture says. The Bible word for that is sin or sinners. But doesn't that sound old-fashioned? Nobody talks about sin anymore. Nobody's a sinner anymore. They may have a fault. They have a problem. But they're not sinners anymore. Nobody sins anymore. We just make mistakes. You know, I don't want to call us sinners. I just call us mistakers. For all have made mistakes and fallen short of the glory of God. Hmm. 
No one sins anymore, do they? It's not politically correct to talk about sin or else this world would be in trouble. You see, and if I'm a mistaker, if, I, if everything I do can be dumbed down to where it's just a mistake, then that makes me a mistaker, not a sinner. And if I'm just a mistaker, I don't need a Savior. I don't need a Savior if I'm just making mistakes. You know what I need to do? I need to try harder. I just need to get better. Actually, I just need to blame somebody else. Wasn't my fault. You see, a mistaker says this, I I didn't intend to. Oh, oh, I, I just wasn't thinking. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see it like that. Now, here's the best one. I didn't know any better. Hmm. You see, mistake is a much better word because if I've just made a mistake, when you catch me, I can just say, oh, my mistake, my bad. Nobody's perfect. Now, here's the shock. God loves the world when nobody's perfect. You see, sin is not a mistake. It's a desire. It's a nature. It's an attitude. Sin is not what I do. Sin's why I did it. Here's the sin. I want life my way. I want what I want when I want it. And I want everybody else to bow down to what I want. I want to be the Lord of my life. I want to be the the maker of my plans. I want to be the one who's the fulfiller of my plans. I just want to be, I want everybody to leave me alone, including God. You see, sin is not what I do. Sin is why I do it. And, and we don't understand. If all it is is just a mistake, the mistaker doesn't need a savior. He just needs help. For God so loved this old world. Let me tell you something. God loves who you don't. You know those people you don't? You know those people that's done that? That said that? God loves them. Now you shocked? God loves them. But there's more. Not only have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but there's more. Don't you love those commercials? But there's more. Well, this is not very good news. You see, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. The price that you're going to get. The the. The the reward you're going to get for sinning is death. The wage, you know, you you like to get your paycheck? The paycheck for sin is death. Now, we don't understand that either. You see, we've made death uh, just a very simple thing. Death is just ceasing to exist. Death is just taking your last breath. Death is just uh, no longer the heart beating. Well, that's one kind of death. The Bible talks about three kinds of death. There's the death that we're physical death where the breath leaves the body or the life leaves the body. That's physical death. But, but that's just the effect of another death infinitely more dreadful. That's the next kind of death is spiritual death. Here's the thing. You can be totally alive physically and totally spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says this. He made us who alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which we, we once walked 
lived according to the course of this world, over the system of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, which means God's wrath. In other words, we were, we were dead men walking. That's spiritual death. So there's physical death, spiritual death. But there's more. There's another death. It's used in John 3.16. John 3.16, okay, let's think of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. There's a death that's beyond spiritual death. It's perish. It's perish. It's the opposite of eternal life. It's eternal damnation. It's eternal torment. It's eternal absence of God's presence. Can you imagine? God makes everything, holds everything together. That would be that there would be no conscious presence of God forever and ever and ever. He said, preacher, you, you talk about old-fashioned. You mean you believe in hell? Well, let me ask you, preacher, is it literal fire or is it spiritual fire? Does it matter? If it's eternal separation from God, that's enough for me. If it's eternal separation, I don't, even if it's, you can talk about all the torments and what all, here, the torment for me would be to be absent from the one who was himself life. Eternal damnation, destruction, torment, ruin. So it's not that just I've done wrong. I am wrong. And what's coming, what's going to be the payment for my being wrong is I cannot change myself. I can't help it. There's not anything. I am absolutely helpless. I can't keep the law. I can't make myself. I can't do enough good to wipe out what's been bad. All of I, I can't keep score. What's coming to me being wrong is eternal ruin, destruction, torment. And God loves Those who are headed for torment. God loves them. Here's the shock. God loves them. God loves this world. The rebellious, corrupt, demonized, crazed world. It's not that he pities us. He's not going to overlook it. He's not going to let things slide. He's not just going to let somebody in because they did a good work. He's not just going to overlook all the things. He's not going to overlook the nature of selfishness. He's not. He loves them. But he loves them. Now, now don't get your definition of love from the world. The world would say love is, well, every, anything. If, you, if God really loves, he's not going to let anybody hurt. He's not... Tell that to his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Tell that to Jesus. He's not going to let anybody hurt. You see, we would give the world a pass except when we don't want to. We would let, let people off. We would, you see, we don't really believe they're sinners anymore. They're just mistakers. And so we just think that it's okay. Just let them go. God will take care of them. Yes, God will take care of them. Here's the thing. He's already taken care of them if they'll only believe. Because He loves them. He loves them. He loves them. The word love for here, the Bible word for love, for God's kind of love, is agape. It's a love that originates in the heart and the nature of the lover. It has nothing to do whether you're good or bad or... I started to say ugly. That helped. Good or bad or anything. God's love is coming from His own heart. Now listen to this. 
And he loves because what he's loving is precious to him, of great value to him. Do you hear that? You're talking about a shock. The God values this world. He values it. He prizes his creation, but he prizes most of all we who he created to bear his own image. And he loves us. It is a willful, decisive love that will not change. God's not going to change his nature. God's not going to change his mind. He loves. He loves purely. He loves holy. And in his love is righteousness and peace. His love is unprovoked, unexpected, and unearned. It's unrestricted as far as he's concerned. It's unrestrained. In other words, it's love we didn't see coming and didn't have coming. That means there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you more and there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you less. God's love comes from his heart without reservation with the purpose of doing what is the absolute best for the one who's loved. Agape love gives. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God's love seeks the highest good of the one love no matter what the cost. His love centers on the needs and the welfare of the ones he loves and will pay whatever personal price is necessary to meet those needs and advance their welfare. And that's where Christmas comes in. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I want to read out of the Amplified Version, John three sixteen, the Amplified Classic. It says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. God was present in the baby that was born in Bethlehem because he loves us. 2 Corinthians 5.19, Amplified. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Now listen to this. Not counting, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Canceling them. Now, now, Here's another shock. God's going to cancel sin. But he only does it one way. God's going to cancel sin. How can God, being holy, majestic, being the creator, he's the one who said, my word will not go out of my mouth without returning, without my word that goes out of my mouth will not return unto me void or empty. It'll accomplish for what? He's the one that said, the soul that sins, it will die. Well, how can a holy God, absolutely holy, who has given his word and said that the soul that sins will die, how can he cancel out our sin? There's only one way. Through death. Through death. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to live the life he lived, to die the death he died so that you and I could be free. You see... Either Jesus pays the price to cancel sin or you do. Sin's not going to be washed under the rug. Sin's not going to be, well, it wasn't that bad. The only way sin is going to be canceled is because by the blood, we just did it in communion, by the blood of Jesus Christ. The soul that sins, it'll die. Guess what? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, for God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. That's good news. And I'm shocked that God would love us so much that he would give his son 
in our place as a payment for sin. And he has taken it all. Well, how could God? Romans 5, verses 6 through 8, amplified again. While we were yet in our weakness, while we were powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died for in behalf of the ungodly. Now, some would die, you know, the extraordinary thing for one, if he gave his life even for an upright man. And perhaps for a noble or a lovable or a generous benefactor, someone might dare to die. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, not mistakers, while we were still rebellious and standing against him, Christ, the baby in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. That's what makes Christmas so shocking. So amazing. I love the song we sang. He could have come and kicked Caesar off the throne. He could have come and made all the nations bow the knee. But he came a baby because he loved us so much that he had to live the life to die the death and be raised for our victory. God loves this world. Now, I want you to hear me. He loves this world. He loves the world we don't. He loves this world with all of their stuff. He loved it so much, he gave his son for it. He values and willfully purposes to do what's necessary to bring whatsoever, whosoever will believe in his son to life again. The baby in Bethlehem was God's doing, God's coming, God's loving this world. He was a baby who was born to save his people from their sins. I want to give you a quote of Timothy Keller who went home to be with the Lord this year. He says the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So let me give you uh, a new definition, a new uh, way of saying John 3.16. God's shocking love for this sinful world is so great that he gave his unique son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want to invite the altar team to come. Here's my question. Are you a who forever? Whosoever? Are you a whoever? Whoever Believes in Him. Whoever believes in Him, who clings to Him, that hopes in Him, who holds on to Him, who counts on Him, will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. Are you a whoever? Apart from Jesus Christ, everybody's perishing. Well, I don't believe that, preacher. That's okay. It's okay. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe in God. That's okay, too. You'll meet Him one day. You'll stand before Him. Well, I just don't believe it the way you're preaching it. That's okay, too. Sometimes I don't believe what I preach. It's too shocking. It's too good. You see, we practice daily what we really believe. And here's my thing, because we're going to pray this prayer in a minute. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer, not the mistaker's prayer, the sinner's prayer. You say, well, I prayed that when I was a kid. Good. Well, I prayed that when I was a teenager. Camp. It's when I prayed the prayer. Good. Listen to me. It's a great thing you can go back and point to somewhere where you first trusted Christ. Here's my question is, are you a whosoever today? 
Who are you trusting today? It's okay that you trusted him back then, but who are you trusting today? You see, God still is in the saving business. Aren't you glad that not only was I saved, I am being saved and I will be saved. So I'm in the being saved right now. So I've learned something. When everybody's leading somebody else in the sinner's prayer, I pray it again. Why? Because I want to know, I want Jesus to know I'm clinging to, I'm holding on, I'm believing you. And I have a promise. I will not perish. I will have eternal life. So why don't you just stand with me? And we're, I'm going to pray it. If you'd like to pray it with me, you're free to do that. I'm going to say it in my own words. You can say it in your own words. But I'm going to pray what I believe is my sinner's prayer this morning. God, I thank you that you loved me. Not a mistaker, a sinner. You loved me a sinner. You loved me so much you gave your son to die for my sin. And I hear nothing I can do about my sin. You did it. And I accept your forgiveness. I accept your covering. I accept your cleansing. I declare the name of Jesus sufficient, the blood of Jesus sufficient for my sin. And I trust you. I cling to you. I invite you. I want you to come and live your life in me ever how you want to until the day I come to be with you. I thank you. I trust you. I cling to you. And it's in Jesus' name I declare it, pray it, and trust it. Amen and amen. So, Lord, right now, whatever is needed, whatever is going on, we invite you to touch our hearts. Thank you that you love us so much. Touch our hearts. Change, transform, forgive, cleanse. We want to walk out of here trusting Jesus, being shocked that you could love us like you do. If you need prayer, there's an altar team. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love for you to go to them and let them know. Let them agree with you. Let them lay hands and establish this thing that you've done in you. Whatever decision you need to make, we invite you to respond to him as Amanda sings. Stepped into creation with fire for all to see, brought every tribe and nation to their knees. Arrive with host of heaven and royal robe and crown, the rulers of the earth all bowing down. Over majesty, wrapped your power in humanity. Glory be to you alone, King who reigns from a manger throne. My And you'll rise so we can live. 
to give you two words, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. This is in Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 11 says, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die? In a New Testament passage, why is the Lord's promise slack concerning all these things? It looks like people are getting by with it. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and life. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that the wicked would not perish, but come to life through Jesus Christ this season. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need ministry, the ministry team will be available to you. God bless you.